know, keep your faith community. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter where you are today, you are welcome. I'm Amanda Brindle, a member of the Bethany community, and I'm glad you've chosen to worship with us today. Normally right now we greet one another, but take a minute and do that in the comments. Say hello, good morning, peace be with you. Tell us where you're worshiping from and who you're worshiping with. Let's greet one another. <laughs> if you hear nothing else this morning, this is the most important thing. You are a child of God, holy and beloved. Nothing, nothing, nothing can take that identity away from you. When we say this, we're also saying that about each and every person, that they are also a child of God. Our task is to honor the image of God in ourselves and in each other. Say it with me. I am a child of God, holy and beloved. Sarah asked me to share something that's giving me life or something I'm struggling with. Over the past few weeks, it's been easy for me to become overwhelmed feel hopeless. Sometimes I must confess, hopelessness is my default state. I think, will the human race ever get better? The tunnel, quickly the effect on the marshmallows, to the environment, to ourselves. What kind of world is my child going to grow up in? But to counteract that feeling of hopelessness, I remind myself that despite appearances otherwise, it is in fact benevolent universe, one that is surrounded with infinite and abundant love. And even though sometimes it's hard to see, God is in all things, working for the good of all creation. And we are constantly being invited to participate in that divine evolution, to not give up hope. I'd like to share a short poem I found recently that's given me life. It's called The Feast of Wild Things. Wendell Berry. When despair grows in me and I wake in the night as a leaf stands in fear of what my life and my children's lives might be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great currents heave. I come into the feast of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought or sleep. I come into the presence I feel above me the day-drawing stars waiting for their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the Lord, and I do.
glad to be with you this morning. I have a story for our younger members. This morning we're talking about Jesus and boats and big storms. And this story is not exactly the one the grown-ups will be hearing, but it's very similar. Thank you. 
Jesus made them one. Jesus is God. You don't ever need to be afraid because God is always with you. Would you pray with me? Would you repeat after me? Dear God, thanks for being with us. Thanks for your love that's stronger than our Our grown-up story for today is a little bit different, but largely similar. It also happens on water and in the storm. It's from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. It's Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. And when he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples, walking on the land. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! They were so frightened they screamed. Just then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. It's me. Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. And as he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me! Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a Lutheran pastor who I love, named Nadia Bolt's brother, summarized the sermon that is often preached about this text, the way this text is often interpreted and I preach it this way for church. Here is the standard sermon. It is the little engine that sings. The disciples are in a little boat battered by the waves. They see Jesus walking toward them, and for a moment, Peter is the hero. He steps out of the boat and has sufficient faith to walk on water. He actually does it. Peter muscles up what it takes to be godlike, and what it takes is faith. Lots and lots of faith. Because with enough faith, you can walk on water all the way to Jesus. And if you have enough faith, you could do it too. 
Because he is only as sick as when he took his eyes off Jesus, and that's why he sinned. So the moral of the story, and of course, every Bible story is about finding the moral. So the how the moral of this story is that if you in your life are not God-like in your ability to financially prosper or overcome all your failings as a human or defy the forces of nature and walk on water, then the problem is that you don't have enough faith. And you should really muster up some more. Because the thing is, it's all up to you to make your way to me. So don't be afraid. Get out of the boat. Think better of it than St. Peter. And don't take your eyes off Jesus. You can do it if you really try. End of story. Good luck with that. It's exhausting, isn't it? And it makes me feel bad. Because I have never had that much faith. And just trying harder doesn't seem to make it worse. Is there another way to read this story? You know, with difficult stories, sometimes it helps me to try on the different roles in the story. It's a way of turning the story this way and that way to see what might connect, how it looks from different angles. So I wonder, who are you in this story? Maybe it's Jesus. Just before this, Jesus' mentor, John the Baptist, has been brutally murdered. And then Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. And those crowds were clamoring for food, and Jesus had to feed them all. And now he's just exhausted. And all he wants is another chance. Maybe you know how that is. Or maybe you're like the disciples in the boat, and you are terrified. Maybe you are terrified because of a virus that you cannot see and cannot see. Maybe you are terrified because of the upheaval in our country. Or maybe because of your own personal self. Who you know and what you are. Or maybe you're like the disciples when they watched Peter step out of the boat. A little bit envious as he watched someone else take a risk. Admiring their courage. Maybe they just thought he was foolhardy. Maybe you're like the disciples at the end, where they're worshiping God, where they're utterly astounded. Maybe you've had an experience of joy and beauty and transformation, and all you can find to say is, My God! Maybe that's Where are you in this story? Maybe you are Peter. And you have been very faithful. And in that faith, you have unraveled. He starts to sink. And he is terrified. I experienced 
Jesus comes toward us when our certainty about our world or ourselves falls apart. Jesus comes toward us. Now that that's covered helps me see that this entire story is about Jesus' care and the way Jesus reaches for us again and again and again when we don't feel enough. The whole story, from beginning to even at the very beginning when he puts them in the boat, I think that's a moment of hope. Maybe it was also a moment of self-care for Jesus when he was saying, just give me a minute. But I think it was care for the disciples, too. They've been surrounded by huge crowds. They've experienced a big loss, and Jesus wants to give them a but then the storm comes up, and so Jesus comes to them, and they are terrified, and Jesus says, take heart, don't be afraid. Jesus comes to them, and Peter says, I need some proof, and Jesus says, sure. And Jesus says, Peter says, I'm thinking, and Jesus says, I'm here. And Jesus gets in the boat with them. He comes all the way home to He doesn't say, just do better, just try harder. He comes to them, cares for them, even when they're falling apart. There's still that nagging question, isn't there? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We so often hear that in a condemning, accusatory tone. Oh, you idiots, why didn't you get it right? That doesn't fit with the story. That doesn't fit with Jesus who has tended them with care every step of the way. So I wonder if we can hear it differently. Oh, reaches out again and again because we can only change and thereby change the world when we believe we are safe and cared for. We can only change and thereby change the world when we are deeply rooted in our own belovedness, when we act out of security, not insecurity and fear. That is the only time we can so Jesus comes to us and doesn't say, just try harder, you idiot. He comes and says, I'm here. Don't be afraid. When we cry out, save us, he reaches out again and gathers us in, all of us, every single time, until we are all gathered up in ultimate love by divine
Welcome. I'm so glad you're joining us. If you would like to connect with me or with the broader community, I would love that. You can reach me at my email, pastor.wyatt at gmail.com. I would love to be in conversation with you. This is a fabulous community made up of people who are authentic, who crave intimacy with one another and with God, who are purposefully welcoming, centered in the vibrancy of God, and reaching out in worship. Your generosity, your time, your talents, and your resources make that possible. All that we have and all that we are is a gift from God who loves us. How richly we have been loved. If we offer back a portion of what we've been given our lives into this community. If you've never given to Bethany, you can do that at bethanytacoma.org backslash give. Your gifts enable this community to weather this crisis in good faith. I am grateful for that. This community is marked not only by generosity, but also by prayer. We pray with and for one another each week. We celebrate together this week we celebrated Juneteenth. What an amazing festival. We celebrate the joys in our personal lives as well. And we name our sorrow that is heartbreak. We pray authentically, humbly, sometimes openly, and always with the trust that we're not alone. So I invite you to share your prayers in the comments, knowing that you are surrounded by a
Thank you. 